Hey folks, just a quick note to let you know you can now support the podcast by shopping on Amazon.com. Just go to the specific page on Nerdist.com for this episode, click on the Amazon banner and shop as you normally would, and Daddy gets a taste. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Upcoming shows include September 27th, 2014 at Redstone Brewery in Cleveland as part of the Accidental Comedy Festival. October 5th at the Spider House Ballroom in Austin, Texas. October 19th at the Virgil in Los Angeles. That is a free show every month. And today we've got round one from a show recorded June 26th at Union Hall in Brooklyn, our second home. I'm going to be back there this Sunday, September 28th, 2014. But now let's go back to the last Brooklyn show and hear Ross Parsons, Eli Sayers, Ashley Brooke Roberts, and Brian Allen Mitchell reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing. Enjoy. brought a prepared piece, Mr. Ross Parsons. Hello, hello, how are we? Guys, guys, hello, how are we? Who? Have you guys heard of Frasier? Fantastic. This one... This is a very technical piece, because my printer's broken. Uh, this one is a special note. This takes place in an alternate timeline. I'm sure all of you know uh, that in the season two episode, uh, episode five, Dukes, We Hardly Knew Ye, uh, Frazier and, and Niles buy into a real estate company, not realizing that that same company plans to tear down their father, Martin's favorite bar, Dukes. And so... At the end of the episode, uh, they go to the bar to protest the closing, and they end up leaving because, like, a wrecking ball bursts through the walls. Really great, like, Niles is, like, really pretentious. And goes, <laughs> in the, but in this alternate timeline, though, the wrecking ball kills Frazier and Martin. <laughs> Leaving behind Niles, Daphne, and Eddie, the dog. Reiterate, Fraser and Martin are dead. <laughs> Martin's the old guy. <laughs> Interior, Fraser's apartment. A knock is heard at the door. Daphne goes to answer it. Even for someone who's grieving, she can still totally get it. <laughs> she opens the door. It's Niles! Niles, hello, Daphne. Daphne, hello, Dr. Crane. She breaks down into tears and Niles hugs her. Even for someone who's crying and making, making an absolute mess of herself, she can still totally get it. <laughs> Niles, well, I guess I'll pick up their wills and that dog until I can find someone to adopt it. Daphne, his name's Eddie, you know. Daphne sobs even louder, even though it's probably obvious she can still totally get it. <laughs> totally get yeah, Not... Niles, I'm sorry. I just tend to use clinical language to cope with stressful situations. 
Daphne. Stressful? Your fucking brother and father died in a freak accident. Niles, I know. I just don't know what to do. They were my only friends. Who am I going to go to the opera with now? How can I go to the opera with anyone now? My brother knew me better than any woman ever did. Daphne, what? What about your wife, Maris? Oh, our marriage is a sh- Niles. Oh, our marriage is a charade, a complete and utter farce. Daphne, she isn't sympathetic to you in these trying times. Niles, poor thing has her own problems. She's been inconsolable since her plastic surgeon broke his wrist in a skiing accident. It's going, it's going to be out three weeks. In case you missed it, Ferris is a total bitch. Uh, it's like a running joke in that show. You've never seen her. But she's a total bitch. Daphne. Oh, Dr. Crane, you deserve much better than that. Daphne looks at Niles with total fuck me eyes. <laughs> Niles and Daphne embrace, slowly bringing their faces together, lips quivering, just totally about to bang each other's brains out so bad they'll be mentally incapacitated. (laughs) When suddenly, the doorbell rings. Niles, oh no, not now! Could you get that? Daphne looks at him. Niles, I have to strategically hide my erection. (laughs) Niles grabs a pillow and holds it in front of his crotch, all casual-like. Daphne goes to open the door. Daphne, Spider-Man! Spider-Man, yes, it's me. My spider sense told me there was going to be some real weird fucking going on. Daphne, what are you doing in Seattle? Spider-Man, I'm here to pick up something Fraser promised me in his will. Niles, wait a second, doesn't Spider-Man have a much different voice? Daphne, yeah, you sound like someone I've heard before. That sultry voice, you sound like a comedian I've seen. One of the greatest talents of his generation. (laughs) Spider-Man, fine. Spider-Man removes his mask. Daphne, oh my god, you're Ross Parsons. I follow you on Twitter. (laughs) At Ross Parsons. (laughs) Niles, why are you dressed as Spider-Man, Ross Parsons? (laughs) Ross Parsons, well, I am Spider-Man. I just forgot to do the voice. Oh, I'm Spider-Man, I am. (laughs) Niles, I see, that's that's the voice. (laughs) Daphne, Spider-Man? I mean, Ross... Ross Parsons, yes. Daphne, can I ask you a small favor? Ross Parsons, ask away. Daphne, well, this is a little embarrassing, but... Ross Parsons, go on. Daphne, would you be so kind as to fuck me rotten? To just fuck my fucking brains out? I was just about to let Niles raw dog me. But it was probably going to be weird with, with both of us crying and whatnot. And I didn't want to ruin his marriage to that total bitch. Also, you're Spider-Man. And Ross Parsons. These opportunities don't come along every day. Niles looks dismayed. Ross Parsons. Well, even for someone who's t- clearly traumatized by the deaths of her employers that were less, less like employers and more like family, you can still totally get it. Sure, let's do it. Niles, may I watch? 
Ross Parsons. Well, I guess everybody has to learn some way. <laughs> Niles chuckles, his boner protruding through the pillow. <laughs> Daphne tears her clothes off super fast. Probably the fastest anyone's ever torn off clothes. <laughs> Ross Parsons, wow, that's the fastest I've ever seen anyone tear off clothes. <laughs> Will you do the honor of eating my pussy? <laughs> Ross Parsons, oh, I suppose. <laughs> Ross starts eating her out in Martin's armchair. He's eating her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> <Too soon. laughs> if, if you haven't seen the show, the dad has this really ugly armchair. <laughs> it's like a real terrible Fraser hates <laughs> Anyways, Ross is eating her pussy real good. I'm sorry, he's eating her pussy real well. <laughs> probably the best she's ever had. Daphne, this is probably the best my pussy has ever been eating. Ross Parsons, if, that, if I had a dime every time I heard that, I could, I could dictate monetary policy. <laughs> Niles, that's some really good wit. In fact, it's starting to arouse me. Indeed. Niles' penis has become extremely erect. Niles starts masturbating, positively inspired by Ross's razor-sharp wit. Niles, where's some lubrication? Ah, Fraser's priceless caviar should do the trick. Niles covers his penis in caviar. Ross Parsons. That's the richest dick I've ever seen since I saw Rupert Murdoch covered in moose. <laughs> Niles laughs and masturbates furiously, callously wasting good caviar. <laughs> Time elapses as Ross demonstrates why he's the Gandalf of eating pussy. <laughs> Daphne, oh my god, Ross, you're like the Albus Dumbledore of eating pussy. <laughs> Ross Parsons, actually, I think I'm more of a Gandalf. <laughs> Niles, I'm afraid I don't get the reference. Ross Parsons, basically, Niles, but she, but she said I was the Sigmund Freud of performing oral sex, and I corrected her to say I'm more of the Carl Jung of oral sex. <laughs> Niles, oh, Ross, you're so jejun. <laughs> Daphne, oh, Ross, I just can't take it anymore. Just put it in me. Ross obliges. He starts fucking her so hard in Martin's armchairs, Fraser's priceless African art starts falling off the shelves. <laughs> Daphne, Ross, take the condom off. I want to feel your veins. <laughs> Ross Parsons, no. I'm saving that for my future wife. <laughs> da Daphne, worth a try. Niles, oh my god, Ross, that deadpan, that repartee, keep on going. <laughs> Ross keeps on going, trying to think of something witty to say to please Niles. Fortunately, he's been banging Daphne so hard that the urn con containing Fraser's ashes falls to the ground and shatters. <laughs> Ross Parsons, not on the carpet, Frazier. <laughs> Niles, brilliant. The urn containing Martin's ashes crashes to the ground as well. 
Ross Parsons. A bit premature there, eh, Marty? <laughs> Niles, haha, it's amazing. It's as though they were here. Daphne, oh, shut up, Ross, and fuck me doggy style. Ross looks over to the corner where the creepy little dog is staring. <laughs> Ross Parsons, don't you mean Eddie style? <laughs> Daphne, whatever, just do it. Ross, alrighty. <laughs> Ross shags are rotten for a while. Just absolutely rot- rotten like a southern politician in house leadership. <laughs> for about three hours. They do as many positions as a star debate club member. <laughs> Daphne, Ross, I'm about to come. Ross Parsons, hello, about to come, I'm Ross. <laughs> Niles, oh my god, that was so funny. <laughs> now I'm about, about to ejaculate. Ross Parsons, cool. <laughs> I suppose I'll allow, allow myself to climax as well. Daphne orgasms. The sheer volume of the lady juices Daphne has admitted disintegrates Martin's hideous chair. <laughs> which creates a viscous puddle that mingles with his ashes. <laughs> Ross pulls out and ties up the condom, which is full of glowing semen. Ross Parsons, neither of you drink this unless you want to get spider powers. <laughs> Niles, really? Ross Parsons, yes. Ross is lying. Just to see if he can trick someone into drinking radioactive semen. Because he's a real jerk. (laughs) Daphne. Oh, Ross, I think you fucked the grief out of me. Niles. I've never ejaculated so hard at wordplay. I have a new lease on life. Ross Parsons. It's what Frazier would have wanted. Farewell. Ross puts the Spider-Man mask back on, walks to the corner of Frazier's balcony, shoots a web to the space needle, and swings away. Daphne and Niles walk to the balcony to marvel at him. The ghosts of Frazier and Martin Craig look on approvingly. <laughs> Roll end credits. Now normally there'd be that toss salad and egg thing, thing but we don't have the rights. So I'll just have to redo the vignette. Okay, interior, Niles' apartment. Niles is eating pate and crackers at his apartment. Eddie is staring at him intensely as he once did to Frazier, making Niles uncomfortable. He stands up, takes off his pants, and spreads the pate on his dick tip. <laughs> Eddie is uninterested. Niall sighs, acknowledging his dog's taste, and pulls out a can of his father's cheese whiz <laughs> and sprays it all over his genitals. The dog greedily licks it up. Zoom in on Miles' face as he stares into the distance, a tear rolling down his face. This is the closest he'll ever feel to his father. <laughs> Thank you. Ross Parsons, ladies and gentlemen, with a strong opening volley. I, uh, I love that you guys got so weird with the uh, dog licking stuff off a dick. No problem with semen mixed with cremains. 
cool. We know how uh, how y'all are. All right, uh, keep it going for your next competitor, Ashley Brooke Roberts, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. True story. I thought about doing my dinner with Andre. Yeah, I did. I didn't do it. Because I was like, no one knows what that is. But you guys all know. Did I just get into it? Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Um, I thought, you know, in my wildest mind, my wildest fantasies, that everyone knows what this subject is. And there is a slight chance that you might not. (laughs) So, we're just going to test it out. Do you guys remember in the late 90s a very popular male cologne called Curve for Men? Yeah! Yeah. Woo! That's C-U-R-V-E for men. Okay? We love it. We know it. We love it. Great. Great. Okay. That's what my topic is about. (laughs) Oh, what a perfect summer day. Sarah thought as she sat on the porch of the girls' cabin at Lake Chimichanga summer camp. (laughs) Here I am, young and free, living in the most artistically creative time in human history, 1997. (laughs) She could hear the faint rhythm of sublime Santeria (laughs) floating... Floating up from the boys' camp. Oh, James, my love, she thought. He's playing his guitar. He'd recently gone to Costa Rica with his church camp and had come back knowing how to play numerous songs about Latino culture. (laughs) Hey, uh, excuse me, but do you know where there's a telephone I can use? Someone just beeped me with an emergency code. Sarah looked up to see a tall boy wearing a baggy shirt that said, Whatever. (laughs) Pointing to a pager clipped to the hip of his cargo shorts. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, She was stunned by his smoldering pale eyes and seven fully grown facial hairs. (laughs) There's one in the nurse's office, I think. Thanks, he said. I'm Brad and I'm new here. Sarah shook his hand and then watched the dust clouds kick up as he ran down the hill in his airwalks. <laughs> I feel odd, she thought. Faint? No. But different, yeah. Her body has started to softly tingle like the guitar break in Sugar Ray's Pretty Fly for a White Guy. <laughs> She took a deep breath to steady herself, and then she noticed the smell that engulfed her. Brad had left an aromatic green fragrance in his wake. Are those, are those top notes of pineapple, juniper berries, lavender, and lemon? She asked herself, noticing her knees begin to shake. Could that be middle notes of coriander, ginger, violet, cactus, sage, bergamot, and cardamom? Her pussy suddenly soaking wet. (laughs) She grabbed the railing of the porch to steady herself as she felt her clitoris enlarge. And yes, there were bass notes of sandalwood, amber, 
musk, cedar, mahogany, and pepper. Oh, good God, she whelped as she fumbled with her erect nipples and began rubbing her crotch on the handrail of the rocking chair. Hey, Sarah, what are you doing? She looked up to see James standing there and his handmade rope sandals from South America. He suddenly looked like such a foolish boy with his wide grin and skin peppered with acne. Oh, um, interpretive dance, she said meekly. (laughs) Super cool. You'll be the next Paula Cole for sure. Ugh. She was repulsed and quickly losing her lazy, lady boner. I almost said lazy boner, but... <laughs> she was repulsed and losing her lady boner. The citrus aroma of James CK1 was choking her. She couldn't believe she'd ever been turned on by that sloppy mixing of papaya, rose, and oak moss. Oh, James, she whispered. I can't talk right now. I've got to go feed my Tamagotchi. (laughs) No worries, babe. I'll see you at the bonfire tonight, James said as he walked off to the mess hall. Sarah realized that Brad's cologne was fading fast in the wake of James' same old, same old scent. I gotta get that smell back, she whispered to herself like the wild teenage beast that she had become. Sarah found herself running through the camp entering the empty boy's cabin and following her nose to the foot of Brad's bed, inner thighs dripping from her neediness. She knew the object of her desire as soon as she saw it. The slime green bottle perched on his dresser had a small head, thick shaft, and girly cursive writing that read, Curve. She said the name out loud, Curve. Curve, many times flicking her tongue around her moist rosebud mouth. Curve. She suddenly remembered last year when her weird Aunt Sally had given her a book on female masturbation and had said, It's the healthiest thing you'll ever do for yourself, child. Her young, firm breast heaved as she lunged for the bottle, and she felt her clit throbbing in anticipation. In that moment, all that mattered was her pussy. Stick. Sticky. Thick. Hungry. As her fingers gripped the base of the shaft, which had the width of a soda can, she felt her labia enlarging, causing the vulva to expand outward. That's very (laughs) all-technical. Shocked by the coolness of the bottle in the July heat, she plunged the cologne deep inside her young, virgin puss-puss. <laughs> Once, twice, three times, and I'm coming! Holy shit, I'm coming! She screamed as her vaginal walls gripped and released in rhythm with the waves of her pleasure. Every time they tightened, a little cloud of curve for men puffed out of her trot. <laughs> She collapsed onto Brad's bed, moaning in the wake of her very first orgasm. Suddenly she heard a rustle and looked up to see Brad standing in the doorway. Uh, what the hell? (laughs) My mom bought me that for Christmas. (laughs) It was just released last year. Oh, I, um, uh, uh, 
Sarah couldn't believe what was happening. She felt as if she was waking up in the daze from some sort of strange Fiona Apple fever dream. <laughs> I, she stammered some more. Brad looked at her confused until suddenly a curved queef cloud floated his way. <laughs> He inhaled deeply and became suddenly as hard as the five-carat diamond ring his mom wore when she purchased the cologne. He dropped his pants to his ankles, and Sarah heard his wallet chain clatter on the wood floors. (laughs) She began to feel her legs shake for the second time. Anyone who would choose to wear that scent must be a sex god from outer space, she purred. Yeah, sure. I mean, my mom picked it out, but I like sex. <laughs> he reached up to take off his Ray-Bans, and when he did, she caught, she caught the reflection of the cologne bottle laying on the bed, now glistening with her innocence. <laughs> Good God, she cried as the waterfall between her legs spilled over and ran down her thighs. She took a deep breath of the scent and fell to her knees. Ugh, Brad moaned as he... (laughs) Ugh, Brad moaned as he came all over Sarah's face before she touched his prick. (laughs) Shit. tell anyone about this <laughs> just then she heard a whimper Sarah is this what you wanted she saw James in the corner naked and fully erect hanging out of his tight rectum was the bottom half of a CK1 bottle <laughs> I'm doing it for you he said as he moved the bottle shaped like a flask in and out of his now very loose anus <laughs> No, no, James, that's not what I want. She ran over and pulled out the CK1 bottle, only to replace it with the curve for men canister. (laughs) A few thrusts of the green god, and James was coming all over the cabin floor. Sarah looked up to see Brad, now erect again, and very hungry. Jesus, she wondered, could any girl be so lucky? (laughs) No... No one in her hometown had, e- had even smelled this scent, and here she was, about to fucking suck one of the men who wore it. Overcome by her desire, she ran up and jumped on Brad's peen. <laughs> Wrapping her arms around his neck and legs around his waist, she hopped up and down on his pecker like a poser at a Bouncing Souls concert. <laughs> As she felt her body begin to tremble in ecstasy, Brad's hot jizz filled her box, and they both shouted simultaneously, Thank you, Liz Claiborne, for making this particular scent! (laughs) The two fell back in rapture, landing on the forgotten CK1 bottle. It shattered, and the cabin quickly filled with the smell of Calvin Klein and his androgynous models. Run, James shouted, and all three jumped up, scrambled for their clothes, and fled the cabin before the smell touched their bodies. In the moment of confusion, Sarah grabbed the curve bottle. You're mine now, she whispered, and clutched it to her bosom. 
She returned to her bunk and spent the rest of the sh- summer shoving the bottle up into her puss puss. <laughs> and that's the story of Kerr for Men. <laughs> Ashley Brooke Roberts. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, I would be remiss to not point out that Pretty Fly for a White Guy is by The Offspring, not Sugar Ray. And if you doubt my 90s rock prowess, let me point out I am wearing an Afghan Wigs t-shirt. So come at me, bro. Uh, The bad news is I will deduct 10 points for that. The good news is there are no points in this game. Uh, Keep it going for Brian Allen Mitchell, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everyone. Boy, do I just go? Okay. Hi. This piece is called The Oral Office. Uh, The John Kerry Diaries. It was a cold, wintry Thursday, January 19th, 2017. The last Thursday that I'll be at the helm as Secretary of State for my, of, for the President of the United States, Barack Obama. These past four years, being able to work side by side with him in that rippled chest of his that glows like a lighthouse when he's playing basketball with LeBron. Uh, Keeping my feelings bottled up for these four years has been the hardest thing for me to do. I must tell him tonight. It's almost time for the party to start. As I put on my lucky POW pen, I, I, I reminisce about the time Barack and I spent in Egypt together. The NBC messed up our suite, and we had to stay together for one magical night. He told me I could take the bed because of my bad back. I jokingly told him we could share, but he took the cot knowing his warm, chiseled back could take it. All night. I just stared at him while he slept, just hoping, just hoping to get a glimpse of his throbbing morning cock poking out of his USA pajamas. As I walk into the ballroom, the atmosphere is bittersweet, shaking hands with senior advisors and staff, scheduling golf games, and that's when I see the man of the hour. You would think he would dress down for the occasion, but the Silver Wolf wouldn't dare. It's the same suit he wore when he swore me in as Secretary of State. Could this be fate, I say? As the room erupts in applause, I just gaze, hoping he looks my way and gives me a what's up, dog nod. He loves my P.O.W. pen as well. He bats down the applause and gives a toast to signify the end of a chapter. My eyes say thank you, but my body wants his mocha penis in my war-torn hands. I wait until Barack is getting cheese because that's when he's most vulnerable. I'm tense. I'm terrified. But this is the only time I can confess my love. Mr. President, I exclaim, John, I couldn't have handled foreign policy without you. I wanted to fuck him right then and there. But I kept my composure. John, what do we talk about? Call me B. Excuse me, B. Uh, But I forgot to debrief you about the Egyptian president. Barack grins and says, It's our last day. Give it to Hillary when she takes office. (laughs) 
But I told him I wanted to follow protocol one last time. He gives me that billion-dollar smile and points to the Oval Office. As we're walking side by side, my palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit. There's vomit on my sweater. Already, Michelle Spaghetti. I'm nervous. But on the surface, I look calm and ready to drop bombs. Can I get you some scotch? No ice, right? Of course, you know how I like it. As Barack is making the drinks, his back is towards me. As I creep against his rock-hard body, I put my arms under his blazer and put my hands on his 32-inch waist and slowly ease my hands down his pants. Oh my God, Barack says in a roar. What are you doing? I'm debriefing you. Then all of a sudden, those firm mocha hands are unbuckling my khakis. Barack kneels down, gazing into my eyes while he slowly licks the tip of my cock. And I hear, I've been waiting for you. Thanks, guys. Restraint. A rare trait of competitive erotic fanfiction. Brad Al Mitchell. Uh, your final round one competitor, Eli Sayers, ladies and gentlemen. Where's he at? There he is. Keep it going. Clap your hands for former champion and current competitor, right, Mr. Eli right. Sayers. All right, former champion, everybody. Nice intro. Who's ready to be let down? All right. Hey, everybody. Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, my erotic fan fiction is based on uh, Giant Lizard Island, a sci-fi channel original movie screenplay that I wrote last week. <laughs> I'm an aspiring screenwriter. I uh, chose the genre of sci-fi original channel movies because I think I can take the game to a new level. I'm not trying to do that silly shit. I'm not writing movies called Big Old Caterpillar or anything like that. All right? I'm trying to make something with depth. Like recently, I wrote, I wrote a screenplay about the most dangerous monster of all. Man. I'm fucking with you. It's called Drunk T-Rex with a Gun. But, anyhow, I'm doing my fan fiction on... Guys, stop, you're going to love this. Uh, I, uh, I'm doing my fan fiction on Giant Lizard Island. Uh, the good thing about writing the source material and the fan fiction, it's real easy It's real easy to come up with a pun for the title, like a clever pun. So the original is called Giant Lizard Island, and the fan fiction is called Fuckfest on Giant Lizard Island. I'm not good with puns. By, by Eli Sayers. Uh, Alright, I hope me doing it on my own work doesn't seem like full of myself or anything, because I'm not, I don't want to come off that way. I'm not full of myself or anything. Alright, our hero, with his beautiful semi-long brown hair and sexy light blue button-down shirt, <laughs> stepped off the boat onto Giant Lizard Island. He was very attractive, but like in an unconventional way. <laughs> Like, in an interesting way, where it's not, like, the first thing people would say, and it's not, it's not a thing that anyone's really ever said, but, like, still really gorgeous, where, like, every girl at, like, a reading at a bar would be thinking, damn. 
Our hero stepped onto the sand of Giant Lizard Island. So this is Giant Lizard Island, he said, gorgeously. Guys, guys uh, it seems like this is me just trying to live out, like, fantasies and shit, but it's not, right? uh, Our hero walked up the beach to his new partner, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You all know him from the film The Expendables. They shook hands and looked each other in the eye. Stone Cold could tell he liked this guy. There was like this mutual respect, you know? Like they were like they were just like meant to be boys, me and Stone Cold, uh, our hero and Stone Cold. <laughs> Welcome to Giant Lizard Island, he said. I think you know our dilemma. Two giant lizards are battling each other, killing all kind of villagers. We gotta get them to fuck, get rid of all their tension. Thing is, these two giant lizards, they hate each other in person, but what they don't know is they have an anonymous email relationship with each other, but don't know. They don't know that the giant lizard they love in email is the giant lizard they hate in public. They gotta figure out they're really meant for each other. By fucking. Our hero, Eli, and Stone Cold walked the island all badass. Music was all like... It was all awesome. Uh, <clears throat> they came across all kind of lizard monsters. There was Lizeratops, which looks like if a lizard fucked a Triceratops. <clears throat> and there was Iguana Orthog, which is like if an iguana fucked a warthog. And there was... Uh, Boulder fucking pterodactyl, which is like if a pterodactyl fucked a boulder all day. It's a species of pterodactyl he was, really. Shortly, Eli and Stone Cold came upon a village of people who were cooking and eating nachos. The, the villagers were very diverse. Villagers were very diverse, because this is Park Slope, and bloggers, bloggers and stuff like to call out TV shows and movies if they don't have prominent characters in them who are women or people of whom have color. So, so to, please, to please those bloggers, one of the villagers is a black guy. Who's like, who's like real street smart and witty and stuff that seems like a compliment to a well-intentioned white blogger who's never really had any black friends and, and who is theoretically accepting but still gets all tense and avoids eye contact when walking past a black person. I'm sorry, I don't want it to, I don't want my thing to come off bad. I don't want it to be racist. You get made fun of by people. I don't want to get, what if I got satired by that uh, fake news site? What's that one? Where the articles are like self-mockeries or the, uh, salon.com. Uh... Back to the story. A strong, independent woman left her nacho plate to walk up to them. She said strongly and independently, Ew, help me, the monsters are gonna get me. Please protect me, you big, strong, smelly old things. Eli and Stone Cold played a little trick. Well, since life here is short because of the monsters, they said, why didn't everyone here just start fucking? Eli and Stone Cold finished each other's sentences at that point. So they said, start fucking at the same time, kind of looked at each other like, uh, like, like boys, you know? <laughs> anyway, the women all started fucking the men, titties all flapping every place, and our, our hero and Stone Cold had pulled off that great trick. That was amazing. While everyone was fucking, Eli and Stone Cold ate all their damn nachos. It was amazing. So, while Eli was fucking up some nachos with his mouth, he saw one of the giant lizards they were after. He went up to him and said, oh, you're probably bummed because you want to get all up in that other giant lizard but don't know how. 
Me and Stone Cold will teach you. First thing you need to know, how to compliment a lady. So then they taught a giant lizard how to catcall a bitch. They explained, you gotta be like, you gotta be like, hey, where you going with them scales, girl? <laughs> but you also gotta be attracted to a girl's inner beauty. Be like, hey, where you going with that empathy, girl? <laughs> Shaking that humility. I see you. I see you. They taught the giant lizard mad game. And then the other giant lizard approached. The lizards looked each other in the eyes lovingly. The first giant lizard said softly and affectionately, <laughs> The other lizard replied, They went at it, went at it real hard. Turns out, while they were fucking, we found out. Both the lizards were dudes, which Eli and Stone Cold were fine with after a second. The two lizards fucked so hard they became warm-blooded. <laughs> Eli said. The woman from before approached, with all kind of titties hanging out, like two of them. <laughs> oh, boys, I'm naked and uh, both your dicks are hard. Eli and Stone Cold looked at each other and smiled. You thinking what I'm thinking, they said. They pulled their pants down and started fucking the nachos. And they were best friends forever. Thanks, guys. Bye. Eli Sayers, stay right there, man. Let's get everybody from round one back up. Clap your hands for all the round one comics. You guys will be voting on a winner. First, I'm just going to remind you of what everybody read. And then we will vote. So no voting yet. Hold your applause for a second. We started with Ross Parsons with Frazier. Then Ashley Brooke Roberts with Curve. Curve or Curves? Curve. For men. Just one curve. Brian Allen Mitchell with Obama and John Kerry. And finally Eli Sayers with the sci-fi original Giant Lizard Island. So pick a favorite with your applause. Starting with Ross Parsons' Frazier. Brooke Roberts Curve for Men Brian Allen Mitchell Obama and Carrie uh, Eli Sayers uh, Giant Lizard Island Clearly Ashley Brooke Roberts your round one champion with Kurt for Men. Ashley. That does it for round one. To hear round two, you can download episode 89 right now. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on iTunes. And for details on upcoming shows, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or follow the show at CE Fanfic. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.